Our reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, and I'm reading from verse 1. John, chapter 9, and reading from verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Solomon. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought him to the Pharisees and the man, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still don't, did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. This was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked, what did, what did you do, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you, and, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they insulted, then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, that, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening of the eyes of the man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this reply, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, 
you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, so that the blind will see, and those that will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were there with him heard him say this, and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we look into your word this morning, that you may open our eyes. That we may see the things of you. Open our eyes so that we can see as you see. Open our eyes so that we can see and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're looking in the Gospel of John at the story of Jesus healing a man born blind. And this morning the sermon is brought to you by the letter M. Perhaps you join me in saying, hmm, hmm. Because I've got four M's for you this morning that I want us uh, to, to use to help us to think about this story. And uh, to make you hopefully go, hmm, as you think about it. So uh, the letter M. And uh, the first uh, letter M I want to talk about this morning is the mistake. Okay? The mistake. And uh, I want to talk about the mistake, because the blind man wasn't the only person that needed his eyes opening. And the first people that needed their eyes opening were actually Jesus' disciples, because they make a mistake. What was the mistake, you ask, as you ponder and go, hmm, I can hear what you're thinking, you see. Well, the mistake that they made was uh, when they looked at the man. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, one of the things we've got to try and do as Christians is see people as Jesus sees them. And it's interesting, they, they're all walking along together and they all come across this man who's been born blind. But Jesus sees this man differently than the disciples. And the mistake, we're going to get to it, the mistake the disciples make is that they say, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Don't you love it when people ask you a question and they also give you the answer that they want you to give? You know? Ever had that experience? Someone asks you a question, they don't really know what, want to know what you think, they want you to choose. Uh, this one or that one? Uh, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? A or B? It's a bit like me with the children, you know, is it A or is it B? You decide. And what does Jesus say? C. <laughs> That's right. Um, Jesus goes on to say, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Neither this man sinned. Now, why did the disciples make that mistake? Why, when the disciples looked at this man, did they look at him and see a sinner? Why did they make a judgment on this man? Because of his condition. Um, they're not the only people to, to make the link between people who suffer and sin. 
Not the only people to do that. And uh, Jesus is bringing light to their misunderstanding. Jesus brings light to their misunderstanding and basically says, you're wrong in the way that you are thinking. You're wrong in the way that you're thinking. We, we make our judgments based on what we know and what we see, don't we? That's how we, we come to decide things. And as far as the disciples knew, um, in their thinking, in their theology, in, in the way that they work things out, uh, they decide, they had, they had been taught to believe, or they'd come to understand, that anybody that, uh, that suffered was doing so either as a reason, as, as because of some sin in their own life, or from sin in their parents' life. And um, that was their understanding, based on what they knew. And Jesus wants to say, hang on folks, you've got it wrong. And he gives them the opportunity to see things differently. And he says, neither this person sinned, nor his parents. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The disciples weren't the only people to think like this. People still think like this today, don't they? People still think, you know, when something, when, when we see somebody in a difficult situation, what, 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 what's the question we ask? What have I done to deserve this? Um, anybody remember the, uh, the England manager, Glenn Hoddle? Anybody remember England manager Glenn Hoddle? Can anybody tell me, why did Glenn Hoddle lose his job as England manager? Nothing to do with football. Why did Glenn Hoddle, because we've got a lot of bad results, normally you're sacked as a, a manager football results because your team keeps losing. Can anybody remember, why did Glenn Hoddle lose his job as England manager? He made some comments about disabled people. Uh, Glenn Hoddle at the time was into kind of Eastern uh, mystical religions, and he believed in something called karma. Have you heard of the word karma? You know that people believe that uh, that uh, that and believe basically what Glenn Hoddle was saying that anybody that was disabled uh, in a previous life they must have done something terribly wrong to uh, result in that disability and lost his job because of that because obviously a lot of people were offended uh, by what he's saying. The disciples here are saying something quite similar <laughs> because uh, most of us actually deep down we believe in this kind of karma thing, don't we? If we're honest. We actually believe in it because it's almost kind of been, we've picked it up from here and there and it's very easy to make that connection. And Jesus wants to correct a mistake. This is what Jesus says. He says that people who suffer is has absolutely nothing to do with sin in their life. It's important that we hear that. And uh, it's, it's, I always tell people it's dangerous just to take, you know, one bit of scripture, one isolated text. And I could show you lots of texts, but I'll, I'll show you something from uh, a book in the Bible that I've been spending a bit of time with, uh, the book of Job. Uh, I had 10 days off to, uh, to try and finish my book about me and Job. And uh, do you know, remember in the story of Job, you know, right at the end, the happy ending, uh, when, uh, when, when God's sorting everything out. Do you remember what, what God says about his friends? He says, I'm angry with you, talking to Eliphaz and your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Do you know what the friends have been saying to Job all the way through the book of Job? The reason why you're suffering is because of some terrible sin in your life. And God says, uh-uh, it's not wrong. It's wrong. 
That's not correct. Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you go, hmm, hmm. It's important that we hear that. But don't just believe what Jesus said. Don't just believe what we read in the book of Job. Look at Jesus himself. God's son, God's servant, who God allowed to suffer and die. Was there any sin in Jesus' life? It's interesting, isn't it? When uh, Jesus says, let's just go back to that, neither this man nor his parents sinned, I'm, I'm guessing that, that at some time, uh, either this man or his parents did something wrong. They weren't completely sinless. None of us are, are we? But Jesus was completely sinless. And what happened to Jesus? He suffered and he died. Is there a connection between suffering and sin? Well, actually there is in Jesus. Jesus suffered and died to take away the sin of the world. That's the connection between sin and suffering. We see it in Jesus. And so the first thing that happens is there's this mistake that people make, and still people still make it today. Uh, we make it ourselves, and sometimes we make it about other people. Uh, Jesus himself says there's no connection uh, between sin and suffering. We've got to be careful what we do with, with Scripture. He says that this happens so that, that God's work may be glorified. Uh, we shouldn't then jump to the conclusion that any time we see anybody suffering... Uh, that it's happening so that God can be glorified. It wouldn't be a very kind thing to say to somebody who's suffering, oh, you're suffering, but God's going to be glorified. That's not going to encourage people. That's not going to build people up. They're not going to thank you for that. But whenever there is suffering, there is an opportunity for God to be glorified because we can help in that situation. And that's how God can be glorified. And so that's the first M uh, that uh, that makes you think. And makes you go, um. Uh, Tom Wright says this. He says, being born blind doesn't mean you must have sinned, says Jesus. Nor does it mean your parents must have sinned. No, something much stranger, at once more mysterious and more hopeful, is going on. The chaos and misery of this present world, it seems, it, it seems the raw material out of which the loving, wise and just God is making his new creation. I quite like that, the the chaos and misery, you know, that God can make something new out of it. That God can actually uh, bring good out of bad and awful situations. So there's a mistake, there's there's a misunderstanding where Jesus needs to bring light into a situation where there is darkness and where there is misunderstanding. He sheds his light, he shines his light, and so that people can see more clearly what's happening. When he sees the blind man, he doesn't see a sinner who he's going to stand in judgment from. He sees somebody that he can help and minister to. And uh, we need to try and do the same thing. So the mistake. Jesus goes on to say, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. There's this theme going through John's gospel. Starts right at the beginning in John 1, between darkness and light. And uh, Jesus is the light that the darkness cannot understand and cannot overcome. And Jesus says in, in the previous chapter, he talks about, I am the light of the world. And he says it again here. In every situation, Jesus brings light. And that's what we want God to do in our lives. We want to bring him to bring light. So let's not make the same mistake as the disciples. When we see suffering, let's see it as an opportunity for us to help and to minister and not to stand in judgment. Let's encourage and walk with those who are struggling. That's the mistake. Hmm. I wonder what's next. 
Well, next, of course, is, uh, is the miracle. A miracle. <clears throat> Amazingly. And it is amazing, isn't it? It's amazing because this man was born blind. Um, and, uh, and what does Jesus do? Well, this is what Jesus does. Having said this, explained to the disciples, brought a bit of light into their lives, he spat on the ground. Can you believe that? Jesus spat on the ground. How awful. How disgusting. I bet your parents have said to you, certainly said to me and I've said to my children, no, don't spit. Uh, Jesus spits on the ground. Worse than that, he then goes and makes some mud with the saliva. Gosh. And then what does he do? He puts it on the man's eyes. Can you imagine that situation? You know, I sometimes get the kids to do some silly things. I did think at one point about getting some mud this morning and making some mud pies and putting it on people's eyes. But then I thought, it's going to get a little bit messy. Uh, uh, I'll leave stuff like that to Jennifer. She makes the, the mess. And, uh, but that's what he did. He puts it on the man's eyes and he I told him, go and wash in the pool of Salaam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. Amazing. A miracle. Absolutely amazing. Um, a couple of things about this miracle that I, I want to say. First of all, you know, miracles can be pretty messy things, can't they? Uh, you know, mud and saliva, saliva uh, being mixed up and put on people's eyes. It's, it's a bit of a messy business, isn't it? We didn't. We, we, we sometimes think it's nice and clean, don't we? So miracles are a bit messy, and miracles are not only messy because it involves mud. Miracles are a bit messy because they're quite hard to understand. I said one thing that I have noticed about miracles. Uh, they don't happen every day. Have you noticed that? They don't happen every day. Anybody here got a, a smartphone? Anybody here got a smartphone? Just get it out. Ian's got, I know Ian's got a super duper smartphone. I could have shown my phone, but it's not that smart. Why is it? Why is it that my wife's got a smartphone, my two children have got really smartphones, and I've got a rubbish phone and I pay all the bills? Can anybody explain that one to me? That's really messy, isn't it? Anyway, Ian, let's look at your smartphone. Come on, bring it out here. I'm impressed, actually, because I've not got one. I'm very impressed. But you know what I mean? It's not miraculous, because it's just every day. It's just the norm. Everyone's got a, a mobile phone. Everyone can connect to the internet and do all those things. Uh, the miraculous is miraculous by the very nature that there are things that don't happen every day. And uh, sometimes we can read the gospel and it seems like, as we read the gospel, that Jesus is going around doing miracles here, miracles there, miracles everywhere. And we can get the impression that that's how it should be. But the reality, the stark, harsh reality, is that miracles are quite rare. And I don't say that because I don't believe that God does miracles, but just to point out to people, because there are times in our lives where we're all desperate for a miracle. And sometimes those miracles don't come and it's very hard to understand. It's messy and it's muddy. And uh, we need to acknowledge, you know, that God does do miracles. Uh, but it seems to me from my experience and looking at the world and even looking at scripture, uh, that miracles didn't happen all the time. They weren't everyday occurrences. One of the reasons this story is recorded is because of the miraculous event that happens. Uh, but it wasn't the norm. And sometimes... You know, we do need to recognize and just hear that and acknowledge it. That's not to say we don't pray for miracles to happen. Uh, we do. Uh, but we recognize that they're actually quite rare events. So, uh, the miracle, it makes us go, hmm. It does make us go, hmm. His neighbors, it's interesting to see the effects, isn't it? Because you would imagine, 
Oh, I would imagine if I saw something like that, you know, it would be like seeing the mo- that mobile phone where you've never seen anything like it before. You'd be absolutely wowed. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because this miracle seems to cause uh, more controversy than joy. It doesn't seem to, to, to have the effect that we would imagine. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him uh, begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he's the only one. He only looks like him. Have you ever noticed that people who are disabled... You know, somebody in a wheelchair. Very often, people start talking as if they're not there. Have you experienced that? They start talking, and the person sat there thinking, you know, I'm here, look, me, and this is what this guy's doing. And he says, he says, I am the man. I'm the man, it's me. I'm the one that used to sit there begging and couldn't see, and now I can see, it is me. The others weren't convinced. They said, perhaps it's just somebody that looks like him. Perhaps it's somebody that's impersonating him. You've got to see the humour here. And the man's jumping up and down saying, I can see, it's me, I'm here. And some people can't see it. This whole story is about people that can see and people that can't see. And it's not just the blind man that couldn't see. The disciples were mistaken. They couldn't see uh, when they looked at the man. They saw somebody who had sins. His friends and families, as they gather around, they they don't really see what's going on. It doesn't really click. So, the miracle. The miracle happens. It's amazing and it's wonderful when miracles happen. Uh, But they don't always have the effect that we would imagine that they would have. Uh, This miracle seems to cause as much trouble as it does joy. Hmm. Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you go, hmm. The next thing I want to uh, talk about is... The mischief. Because in this story, we've got some mischief makers, haven't we? Got some mischief makers. Believe you me, we still have mischief makers in the church. Every church that I've been in uh, has its fair share of mischief makers. Uh, People that, that kind of twist things, that kind of upset things, that kind of rock the boat in a, in a way that we wouldn't want it to be rocked. Who are the mischief makers? Well, the mischief makers are the, uh, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They're not happy. It's amazing that they're not happy w- about what Jesus has done. Why aren't they happy? Well, we read that this, this, this miracle that occurred, this amazing thing, the mud on the eyes, they're going down and washing in the river, it took place on the Sabbath. Jesus had broken the Sabbath rule. That's all the Pharisees could see. Isn't it funny? Two things had happened. A man born blind had been given sight, and some little details of the Sabbath regulations had been broken. What did the Pharisees see? Did they see the man dancing around being given sight, or do they see small regulations being broken? That's what they see, and that's what they focus on. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Decided, made up, mind's made up. Uh, This man cannot possibly be from God because he's broken the Sabbath. Others say, well, hang on a sec. Uh, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And they were divided. You see, some people are actually thinking, well, hang on a sec. Yeah, he's broken the Sabbath law, but he seems to be doing some pretty miraculous things that you and I can't do. Maybe he is from God. What Jesus does is he gives people the opportunity to see if they're willing to open their eyes. He gives people the opportunity. He gave the disciples the opportunity to learn something and see something new when they looked at the man born blind. He gave the man born blind the opportunity to have his eyes opened. Obviously, he took that hook, line and sinker and jumped up and couldn't wait to get there and wash his eyes. And he gives the Pharisees also the chance to, 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 to respond and, and have their, their minds opened and their views widened. 
uh, but their minds are closed and their eyes are closed. Listen, folks, never come to church with closed minds and closed eyes. I know sometimes we close our eyes when we prayers, when we pray. We, we said a couple of weeks ago, it's okay to have your eyes open when you pray. Keep your eyes open for what God might be doing. Don't close your eyes on God, because that's what these disciples do. They were divided. And uh, they call the man and they call the... It's very comical, isn't it? They call his parents. You know, is this your son? Yeah, this is our son. Uh, was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. How come he can see now? <laughs> we don't know. Ask him. Uh, they don't want to get into trouble because they know they've heard that anybody that says that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is going to be thrown out of the synagogue. Let me tell you something about If you're thrown out of the synagogue, it's, it's worse than being thrown out of the church. You know, you start messing about, causing a nuisance, we'll throw you out. We've got bouncers that do that. They're called deacons. They'll, they'll grab you and they'll throw you. I'm joking, folks. I'm joking. They don't really... Um, but imagine, if, if you were thrown out of the church for something, it, it, it would be sad, it would be, it would be, but it wouldn't be the worst thing that could ever happen to you. If you were thrown out of the temple, uh, your life was over. Uh, because everything operated around the temple system. And being thrown out of the synagogue uh, meant that people wouldn't be speaking to you. They would ignore you. They would. They would, they would, they would you'd be like sent to Coventry. It, it's, it's a, it was a bad thing, and the parents... Even though their son had been given sight, had been, they must have been inside, they must have been absolutely jumping for joy, but they were fearful of what the Pharisees and teachers of the law could do to them. If they in any way acknowledged, and it's interesting how fear comes in, isn't it, and stops people. The Pharisees were frightened by this miracle. They weren't excited, they were frightened because it was challenging. Their whole system was being challenged by this man, Jesus. They were the mischief makers. A second time, they summoned the man who'd been born blind. Give glory to God. They, they said, we know this man is a sinner, talking about Jesus. They know that Jesus is a sinner. They've made their minds up about Jesus. He's a sinner. What does the man say? The man says, where's well, a sinner or not? I don't know. I don't know. I was just a blind beggar a few moments ago. What do I know? But I'll tell you what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. That's what I know. Do you know what, folks? Stick to what you know. Stick to what you know. There's lots of things I don't know. Loads of things I don't know. And I don't talk about what you don't know. Talk about what you do know. He doesn't even know. This man doesn't even know whether Jesus is a sinner or not. He doesn't know who Jesus is. But he does know this man's been able to open his eyes. And that's what he tells. And he keeps telling his story. He, he put mud on my eyes. He made me go and wash in the thing. And I, and I came back and I can see. That's, all, that's his story. And he's sticking to it. Whatever the cost, he's sticking to his story. Because that's what he's experienced. Are you going to stick to your story about what Jesus has done in your life? Are you going to tell people... Your story, however they respond, they might laugh at you, they might think you've lost the plot, they might think you've gone a bit loopy, they might think you've gone all religious. Ooh, he's been a bit religious, that person, isn't he? Talking about Jesus, don't have anything to do with him. Stick to what you know. Stick to what you know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. One thing I know, this is what I know, this is what I can talk about. This is what I can tell you, what Jesus has done in my life. The difference that Jesus has made in your life. If somebody asks you today, you know, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Have you got a good answer? I hope you have. 
Have you got a good answer? What difference has Jesus made in your life? This man had a great answer. Couldn't see. Now I can see. That's what I know. Don't know much about Jesus, but I do know what he's done for me. And there's lots of people in church who don't know much about Jesus. And we want to encourage people to know more and more about Jesus. Uh, the, dis- the discussion goes on. And uh, because the Pharisees and teach law have made their minds up, and they are closed and they've shut their eyes to learning anything new, all they're going to do now is, is throw insults. You know you've won an argument when people start to insult you. Because they've lost their argument and they're just going to throw insults at you. They're going to have a go at you because they can't beat your argument. So they're going to have a go at your character. They're going to have a go at something in you. And you know you've won the argument. And of course they end up by throwing this man out of the synagogue. He's thrown out of the synagogue uh, because Jesus healed him. The mischief. Always those who want to make mischief. Uh, Again, Tom Wright says, being a Christian is often confusing. People try to interpret your experience for you. To put you in this category, to label you, often this is so that they needn't take you quite so seriously. You see, as long as they could make out that this man and Jesus was a sinner, they don't have to take him too seriously. What you must do is stick to what you know. I used to be blind, now I see. It may be costly, but paying that cost is better than the still more costly route of denying what in Jesus God has truly done for you. We don't want to deny what God has done for us in Jesus. So the mischief makes us go, mm, makes us think. You know, are we mischief makers? Do we make mischief? Do we, uh, do we uh, cause trouble? Do we cause problems? And then the final M, of course, is the Messiah. Because uh, when Jesus hears that this man's been thrown out of the synagogue, what does he do? Comes and finds him. Comes alongside him. And uh, he says to the man... Heard that they've thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? This man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Doesn't even know. Hasn't, the amazing thing about this miracle is he hasn't, he doesn't know much about Jesus, does he? Doesn't know who he is. Thinks he might be a prophet. Uh, he's obviously been able to do these wonderful miracles, but he doesn't know a lot. Uh, but he goes with it. He's sticking with it. And why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Uh, and this is the guy speaking to you. And what's his response? Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worships him. So he goes from being a blind beggar that was absolutely nothing to falling on his knees to worshipping Jesus. Amazing story. And uh, maybe you've got a story similar to it, maybe I've got a story similar to it, that we can say that we went from this position to that position. And uh, we experienced God in our lives. Then, of course, Jesus goes on to, uh, to talk about those who are blind and, uh, and those who say that they can see but can't really see. You know, sometimes we, we use that phrase, don't we? You know, oh, I, I get it now. Uh, I can see. I understand. I get it. I can see. We, we use that, don't we? Uh, the mistake, again, another mistake that the Pharisees make is that they claim to be able to see. And Jesus seems to say, that's worse than being blind. Claiming that you can see is worse than being blind if what you claim is not true. And they reject this man and they throw him out and they reject Jesus and uh, they throw him out and they'll do a lot worse to him uh, claiming that they can see what God is doing. 
Jesus wants to open people's eyes. He wants us to be able to see. He brings light into every dark situation. Will we allow Jesus to open our eyes? Will we allow Jesus to uh, reveal the mistakes that we make? And let him put them right. Yes, we pray for miracles. We don't want to make mischief, but we do want to meet the Messiah.